Hello. Howdy, cowboy. How are you? Oh, man, I think things are getting better. <laughs> Tell me about your weekend, man. We didn't get to talk about it. No, well, I mean, it started with um, servicing the swather, going about 50 feet, breaking the linkage on the header, having to take it apart, take it to my buddy's shop, weld it back together, put it on, run about an hour and 20 minutes, and roll a bead on a tire. <laughs> taking the tire off, taking it to the tire shop. And, of course, they want me to buy a new one. I tell them I don't have the money to buy a new one. So, luckily, I am I know the owner pretty well of the tire shop. I said, let's just put a big uh, boot patch and a tube, and we should be good to go. So, he did. So, I put the tire back on. The next day, I started cutting hay, cut for about an hour and 45 minutes. Um and the whole spindle snapped off the swather. So I, luckily the landowner had a part swather there. So I was able to rob enough parts off of it to get the other swather going, finish cutting the hay. Oh, and then in the meantime, I had one of the back tires go flat. Luckily there was an air tank there. I filled it up and just filled it up and it's held there ever since. And so I hooked up my little baler and bailed what I had cut the three days prior because it was dry because it's been so hot and windy. It was ready to bail. I bailed it, and I made the bale super heavy because um, I knew I was going to pick him up with a stack wagon. <laughs> so I hook up to the stack wagon, service it, go through all the function, everything works, good to go. So I go pick up a full load of little hay bales on the stack wagon and as I'm pulling up alongside the stack because I was just going to use the big bale stack as the back rack to dump the other bales against stack the other bales against I look back and there's hydraulic oil blowing out of the seal the shaft seal on the hydraulic pump on the stack wagon so I've got a stack wagon completely full of hay bales super heavy like 90 plus pounders and a blown up hydraulic pump and so as soon as that happened i called my buddy who's the custom hay hayer and i said hey are you bailing hay anywhere tomorrow and he says it sounds like i might be <laughs> and i said you're right if you can um he says is it ready to go i says it's past ready to go some of it's too too dry if we can catch it in the morning with some dew It'd be perfect. And so last night after dinner, my wife and I went with the truck and trailer and I hand stacked all of the rest of the little square bales on my trailer. So it's like 60, 64, 90 pound bales. So I got a great after dinner workout. I saw the, uh, the picture you posted and I, I kind of laughed to myself and it's like, uh, I know he stacked those himself. <laughs> yeah. well my wife said she was going to help me and so she got one bale on the trailer and she said yep you're right you're on your own well you know it, it keeps you uh it keeps you uh spry that's for sure it keeps you strong you know <laughs> just well like... you know and that's the thing is um people have to go run marathons or, or do iron man's or you know all of that stuff whereas fortunately or unfortunately i get to do that 
you know, stuff that pushes my comfort level pretty much every day. And so really it's, it's a blessing. Sure. At the end of the moment, sometimes I'm like, boy, this really sucks. But, um, oftentimes when I'm talking to people, they're like, how do you do it, man? I'm like, well, I don't have a choice. You right. just got to figure it out. And so that's one thing for me that, I mean, and, I, and I've shared that with my kids. I mean, it's the same thing with them. It's like, you just got to figure it out. You can't rely on someone else to think for you. You've got to learn how to think on your own, be quick on your feet and just figure it out and move to the next thing, you know? And that's, and it's just one of those things that you try and, you try and include as many people in that type of thinking that you can because so many people just they've never experienced it before no they really haven't and it, it's kind of interesting you bring this up because i've been looking at you know how much i travel and everything i'm doing and you know i try to i'm pretty fit just because i eat all you know everybody's beef right but uh <laughs> one thing even you know because i i do go to the gym and you know i try to get physical work as much as i can but anymore man all i do is whenever i'm at the gym i always just act like i'm on the farm and and, and I really don't think people realize the farm tough aspect of life and the farm tough aspect of what we've lost. And everybody tries to emulate being in shape, you know, or building muscle or anything like that. But you can't match it. You can't go out there and do what you just did the last three or four days and equal it. It just doesn't happen. It's a different level of uh I guess intensity at times, you know, 64 uh, uh, bells of 90 pounds, you know, nobody's ever, you throw 90 pounds around, that's tough to do, right? And and you don't stop, you can't stop. And it reminded me, I was doing a, a at the gym the other day, I was working out, it reminded me of uh, pounding um, fence posts into the ground, building barbed wire. You know, I did a lot of that in West Texas when I was growing up. And I just don't think people realize and people always, you know, want to come out to the farm and they want to come out to the ranch and, you know, help out. I, and this is not said with disrespect, but I just people don't have it in them anymore. But one thing they can do. You know, there, there's a kid that was a, um, he was a triathlete there at Western State in Gunnison. And Mm -hmm. he came to work for me at the coal mine and, uh. He said, yeah, I'd love to come help you buck bales. And I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, oh, yeah. Well, by the time we got to noon, he was completely shocked because he was trying to keep up with me, you know. (laughs) And I was probably close to twice his age at the time. And um, he just had something to prove because I, I had, you know, kind of acted like I doubted that he could do it, you know. And so, and by the time lunch rolled around, I'm like, and we have another 350 bales to do this afternoon. And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, there's another field over here that we haven't even been to yet. (laughs) I said, but if you can't do it, I totally understand. Um, I'll just do it by myself. And, uh, I mean, the kid was a stud, you know, I mean, he was ripped up super strong, but he didn't have any of the technique and all he was doing was horsing the bales around like he was lifting weights in the gym, you know, and you wear yourself out wasting all of that energy. And then it's, and then it's a level of stamina that you don't get by doing a one hour workout in the gym. When you're used to working in the hot sun all day, it's a, it's a completely different kind of workout. Well, and it, it made it, 
reason I wanted to talk to you recently is because you know you you've got your you've got your fall uh, inventory about ready to go, right? Uh, you're yeah, ready to exactly. go to harvest. We've got winter dates. Yeah. September, October, and December. That's awesome. Well, right there, that tells you know, and we we've had discussions this week, and uh, we had one today on our our team meeting call, but you know, people talking about prices and stuff. Well, let, let's put it in perspective. You know, part of what you did with the with the hay, getting the hay ready, you know, and then having to go through the whole process of getting the hay off the ground, basically, you know, that's that's built into cost. That cost is actually, you know, something that people don't understand. They really do not understand the value for value exchange that you're giving them. And, you know, to put things into perspective, I think it's impossible to, for people to truly understand the amount of work. By saying that, let's start with the beginning of this herd into what you're doing now. And we're going to make this into like a three-part series of uh, phone conversations. And it'll lead into, you know, us, you know, kind of giving a good perspective. What did you start out the first year? How did you get to today? How did you get to getting ready for the September and October and November harvest? Absolutely. You know, and, and the, the way that our beef business operates is it's very cyclical and we do our best to try and mirror kind of mother nature. And so our calves are all born uh, January, February, March. And, you know, we those are the calves that we then in turn raise to be the next year's harvest. So... Last year we kept as many heifer calves and as many steer calves as we could um, to raise to go into our beef program because all of the, the calves that we butcher in our program are all calves that we've raised ourselves. Um, and, and that has a, a real cost, but it has a real value. Many people buy calves on the commodity market and then feed them and finish them and that's how they market them into their beef program but oftentimes you don't know exactly what the genetics were. You don't know how those calves were treated, what kind of shots they were given at birth. Whereas every single calf that we butcher, we know every single life in the day of that calf. So of course the profit margins are more narrow with that type of business, but that way we can truly stand behind our product because we've known that animal every day and in reality, from the day that it was conceived, because we turn bulls out or we use artificial insemination to improve the genetics in our beef herd, um, I know those calves, you know, essentially from the day that they're conceived all the way to the day they go to the butcher. And that's the way it used to be. I mean, it used to be your, your local farmer or rancher raised beeves or hogs or chickens or whatever fowl goats and sheep all of that stuff they were part of the life cycle and part of the circular economy and so you could go to them at lambing or calving or when they're hatching out a fresh uh, clutch of eggs and you could see those babies born and then you could have a relationship with them all the way through till there was time for them to go to the butcher. And that's one of those things for us. That's a high priority for us. It's definitely a low time preference and it is a lower profitability than buying and feeding calves. But it, it gives us, you know, essentially that 100% um, guarantee that the end product is of the quality 
that we strive to produce. Yeah, one thing about that is every year you learn something new and your genetics get better, your herds get better. Um, one year you're going to go through a drought. One year you're going to go through too much snowfall. Uh, you're going to go through a fire. Your barn's going to burn down. Um, you're you're not going to get your hay. You're going to have to maybe bring in a different type of uh, organic commodity, you know, input, you know, because you don't use all of the commodity in- inputs uh, of the chemical and grain companies. One thing that the the intentionality of it is is something that it's almost that here in the beef initiative i believe what we should do probably going into 2023 is really go through the seasons the seasons until harvest just like they do with the wheat crops with the corn crops with any type of crop we're going to do a a season of harvest you know that leads into a harvest of your herd because one thing that you brought out that that uh, that i pointed out in my mind here is that everybody talks about cruelty to animals and here you are a steward of that land of the soil of course you know you're regrowing soil right there in the norfolk valley but what you're doing is those animals those beef they have the best lives possible and and that's that's what is always overlooked or it's propagandized and, and if people truly knew the holistic and basically the human approach to to what you're doing and the amount of work that you do to actually truly make sure that those animals have fantastic lives nobody's gonna even question cost or or difficulty to market or difficulty to market access but us having these conversations is basically creating a new market access that i think people like you uh, and Cole and Justin and everybody, Scott, everybody that's, you know, came, came into the beef initiative. It's, it's been, it's been a big freaking, um, it's been a prohibition of market access for you, the rancher producer and for us, the consumer. And so once we look at the seasons and people can start planning their years and their months and their seasons of their actually their consumption models of beef, pure animal protein, that's how this all changes. And that's why I wanted to have this phone call is because here you are, you're ready to go to market. In the past, you're nervous about getting rid of all of your beef because you don't have the consumer demand. The consumer demands out there, they don't know how to find you. Now, what we're going to do moving forward into the fall of 2022 and then into 2023 is you're going to go into every harvest knowing that all your beef is sold. And that's what we're about to accomplish right now. Absolutely. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, anybody that's been in agriculture knows the seriousness of the dinner table um, meeting that you have with your your family farm team. Right. and, And, you know, we've been selling beeves direct to consumer this will be our sixth year and this time of year every year we sit down my wife and i and we talk about how many calves can we keep to feed what our market was last year what our input costs are because i mean when i you know with all the breakdowns we had this year i had to pay someone to come and bail this hay finally and that's an unforeseen cost you know not to mention all of the repairs in the meantime and so then you're scrambling because you know, in ag, you only have one paycheck a year, right. and so that's our fall harvest of beef. And so you're trying to budget and work through the whole rest of the year, knowing that 
all the decision decisions that you make this fall, whether it's how many calves you keep and also what your market access is, will dictate the success or failure for the whole coming year. And um, it's just a it's a huge um, burden to to bear, a huge weight to to carry. And anybody that's in ag, and and, and an interesting thing is there are more suicides in ag than there are veterans returning home from war. So to give you an idea of just how intense agriculture is as a business, you have more people, you know, taking their own lives or in deep, dark depression than you do people coming back from war, having seen all that kind of violence. And that, I mean, that should really speak to people as like, man, you really need to support your farms, farmers and ranchers, because that's, that's, a, a I mean, that's atrocious numbers. And, and not, not only that, but then you, you, you build a relationship with the people who care about you and want to help provide healthy and nutritious food for you. You know, just the way that it used to be in the village model, the way that our great grandparents settled this country and, um, getting back to that, I think is so important and undervalued. It's extremely undervalued and there's a lack of awareness across the board because, you know, everybody basically is stuck in the surface level of communications of, you know, not having access to that type of uh, content of those types of numbers or even that type of way of life or that type of depression that sets in and and to, to realize that really what you summed up is every year is is a Russian roulette in a way it's like if we, we make it or we don't and it's it's dependent upon this herd and there's so many variables that go wrong within that year you know I can look at West Absolutely. Texas you know, I could write a whole book about all the things that could go wrong. And it happens. And it, it, it's, you know, in that uh, Cole brought up uh, last week in Austin when we were there at the Austin Bitcoin Club. He brought up, it, you know, people coming up to him thinking, you know, it, what do you think about the volatility of Bitcoin? And he just kind of laughed. And it is. It's like, oh, really? Let me show you volatility. And let me let me show you, you know, what we battled this year alone and in 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 it's 24/7 it just never stops and if people really truly and they are they're going to understand because that's what we're doing and we're having massive success within the beef initiative is people are really going to understand value for value again and and for not only is just it's not a it's not a sympathetic type of thing there's empathy that's in, built into you know what you just said but one thing it is it's something as far as you're getting a better product and that should end the argument right there it's like okay the beef is the best beef in the world here in the united states we're bringing the best beef to the consumer that you can have now let's talk about all the pain points all the hardships all the touch points all everything that matters to the consumer talk about one book let's write 10 books about that and having these conversations with you each time you know i talk to any of the ranchers you know either you make me reflect on a time of you know whenever i was growing up in west texas or that there's a new discussion to have into the next phone call and 
how big's your herd this year? What are we doing? What are we going to sell this year? Because this is what we're going to do. We're moving into the fall. It's the first of September. What would be the best case scenario right now, Jason, for you to to what would be something that happens this year that didn't happen to last year that you sitting around your table with your family is going to make y'all feel like you're doing the right thing for your family? Well, we- yeah, so so if we could sell all 20 of the beeves that we have that aren't spoken for in, in within these next three butcher dates, that would change everything. Because like last year, we, I was feeding calves clear until February um, because I hadn't sold them. And when you're feeding calves hay, it is super expensive. And it just, it almost immediately erodes your... Um, your your um, profitability because you're feeding them hay that you had to either pay to have put up or you had to buy and have hauled in. Whereas if you can, when you can finish them and um, butcher them as they come ready and and get them in someone else's freezer, it just completely changes the the, the scope of survivability to the point where I actually had to sell some calves this spring just to pay my feed bill that I would have otherwise kept to feed out to finish. And, and that's just, it comes down to a cash flow problem. It's one of those things when you're, when you're immersed in the business and the day-to-day grind of it, um, it, it takes a real amazing wife to sit you down and say, we need to look at the numbers and see where we're at you know, she's totally supportive, but also she's like my sounding board of like, hey, this isn't working. We need to look at something different. And so, I mean, that's why the Beef Initiative is such a perfect fit because it gives us the voice that honestly, I don't have the time to spend the time and energy trying to market and advertise and all of that because I have so much actual hands-on work that I'm doing on the ground. Well, that's just a perfect example. I think that that's the, really the big disconnect here. And it's something that I saw in the very beginning as far as forming the Beef Initiative because, you know, I was in big tech. I worked for, you know, multimedia companies. I did consulting across the board. But one thing that I truly knew is that you guys – it's not that you want to be separated from tech. It's not that you want to be separated from marketing. It's not that you want to be separated from having a voice to your customers and reaching out to them. You truly don't have the time. And it is a different mindset from going and basically recovering from, you know, having your 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 system break down because of your machinery breaking down. And that's a different mindset than sitting at a computer writing out a marketing plan for this fall's beef. And that's something that you guys have to do. And it's a different mindset. It's a different skill set. And like I said, you guys, I mean, especially with what you do, the critical thinking is there. It's not that you guys don't have the ability. It's you truly don't have the time or sometimes you don't have the mindset. And it becomes somewhat of a black hole of thought. 
because you don't know how to approach. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to spend four hours on Facebook and try to get rid of my stuff through the <laughs> farmer's market. I mean, talk about a capture. That, that That's ridiculous. And, and that's once we get this moving and it's free flowing like it's starting to become, I mean, it's going to be a no brainer that, you know, having the voice of the American rancher again in a decentralized way is is basically a new pillar of uh, power and a position and a pillar of strength. And I don't want you guys we you you don't want other ranchers to be having to worry about this because it makes you less in a way because of the stress of the anxiety and there's no reason you should you guys should you're not trying to sell 2000 head you're trying to sell 20 head of cattle and that's not that much to ask for the amount of work that you put in, the value for value exchange, the nutrition, what you're doing for the soil, what you're doing for the animals, what you're doing for your community. It should be a no brainer that you you never have to think about it and you actually can grow in the direction you guys want to. Absolutely. And that's the thing for us is like right now we're sitting on 70 calves trying to decide how many we're going to try and keep with the idea to try and grow the business with re retaining that many more head to feed for next year. And so the thing that I found is through word of mouth advertising, when we do get those new customers, it just knocks it out of the park, but it's breaking into those um, sound bites of education. So people are paying attention to what we're doing it's it's just it's a lot of work i mean it's literally like uh you're trying to scale a wall and you're trying to build it with your ramp with sand you know um you're just working so hard and not getting anywhere yeah well we're gonna eliminate that i guarantee you're gonna sell those 20 beeves this year so and we're gonna do it as quick as possible um we're gonna we're gonna start redoing your technology stack in the beef initiative we're gonna uh look at some different you know not different but some ways to enhance your business model and uh how have you uh have you how's the demand right now jason well it's good i mean our our uh the first round of beads were already spoken for they're being cut up this week so that was good. And then our second butcher date, which is September 15th, um, is sold out as well. So there's homes for all of, all of them. But then, then we still have 20 more beeves to market. So we have a butcher date in October uh, and then again in December. So, so up, up till, you know, our September butcher, we're in good shape. It's just after that, um, trying to, you know, it's trying to decide whether I'm going to keep them and butcher them and sell them as beeves or if I'm going to have to market them as fat cattle on the conventional market, you know, the commodity market. And boy, they just they just really take advantage of you there. And that's that's why we're trying to get away from it as much as we can. No, we're, we're, we're going to sell those 20 beeves. That's not that many beeves. And, uh, you know, we've got plenty of time. The window of time is perfect. You know, uh, we can do 10 basically for each uh, harvest. For each butcher date, I mean, I'm I'm just guessing. That's what I'm I'm guessing off the top of my head, but uh, I see I see no worries with that, and and I think that we we have a we have a new uh, project now, don't we? <laughs> oh, absolutely, exactly. 
So let's talk about, was it a good year? Uh, let's talk about uh, everything that happened this year to where this herd is different from the mo- others. What did you do different this year? Um, you know, what is something that you want people to know going into uh, this fall and then basically going into 2023? Where do you stand? Uh, what are your, your kind of your dreams and everything right now to basically, you know, grow Rick Ranches? Well, the year was fantastic. I mean, we're still in the throes of a terrible drought, but because of all of the work that we're doing on improving soil health and plant resiliency and uh, incorporating the intensive rotational grazing and experimenting with planting some annual crops for fall forage, I think we're going to be in in really good shape there. I mean, we're, we're, we're planning on only feeding two months worth of hay this entire year and that's with all of our cows calves replacement heifers fall calving cows um because we've just saved up that much standing forage with all of the land base that we're on so that's super promising that what we're doing as far as the regenerative aspect is working um so that's great we're definitely honing in on genetics as far as our our beef genetics you know we're a, a predominantly black angus and majority registered black Angus cattle. And so when we're getting our feedback from customers back, as well as the butcher data from the butcher, things are looking really good there. So we're working on reducing frame size a little bit to where they finish a little bit faster, but still getting that fantastic marbling and back fat on grass fed and finished cattle. we, we have gone completely away from chemical insecticides, um, and I'm seeing that improve our dung beetle populations and all of our predatory insects. Everything from uh, ladybugs to praying mantis to um, predatory wasps and surface flies, those those populations are just off the hook and so that's one of those things where when you can get away from the chemicals number one you're not paying for it number two you're getting back to the balance the natural balance of the ecosystem that then gives you resiliency to where you're not reliant on chemicals and the other thing too is i have i'm having more and more landowners reach out to us on a consulting basis they like what we're doing. They see how we've improved our land, and so they're they're reaching out to us to to help help them manage their property. So the word is getting out there just how important regenerative ag actually is, no matter what your livestock operation is. Um, and then of course we're we're kind of playing around with our calving window. the The business model that we have having calves finished and ready for butcher in that um, 19 to 22 month range, which is about what it takes to effectively finish grass-fed and finish cattle, um, kind, of, kind of has us painted into a corner as far as when we calve. But we've decided to calve down in Hotchkiss instead of bringing all the cattle home to the home ranch because the weather is so much better down there and that's where the majority of our hay is, is down in Hotchkiss. And that way... We're not hauling cattle home. We're not hauling hay home. We'll feed there. I will have to put up some sort of shelter in the case we have problems calving or something like that. 
and um, haul one of my squeeze shoots down there in case we have a medical emergency with a cow, which isn't that big of a deal for the trade-off of it being better weather for the cattle and not having to haul the cattle and the hay. So that should help for diesel costs. Um, and then, of course, like I said earlier, we're, we're looking at, we've got about 70 head of calves, and so we're trying to decide, um, and, our, and our hope is that we retain as many of those cattle as possible, both as replacement heifers and also to finish and subsequently market as beeves. Um, because when you have to sell them on the commodities market, your your margins are so so small that it it's it's hard to to justify even being in the cattle business if you can't try and capture as much of that profitability as possible. Let's break that down, Jason. I think that's something that people really need to understand. Okay, if you go off and you do a commodity market and you just sell them as fat cattle, usually, I mean, it's going to be across the board from, you know, somewhere in Colorado to the Texas Panhandle out there in Hereford, Texas or something like that. You know, the commodity fat cow is going to bring the rancher usually, it it varies, right? I mean, over all that period of time. I mean, like right now, the board is saying fat cattle is a dollar twenty a pound. Right. So, and and if you sold that fat cattle after you've raised it from a calf, right, from the very beginning, and how much would you make off that? Seriously, realistically, if you went and sell, sold it this fall, how much are you going to make if it's twenty a dollar twenty a pound? I would lose a hundred and seventy dollars a head. There you go. That simple. Okay. it's it's a no-brainer you're either going to lose money or you're going to break even or maybe you might make extra hundred or two hundred dollars which is really still losing money okay if you if you're able to keep that fat cattle yourself and you're able to basically get it processed yourself just doing what you're doing right now and the successes you're having your profit margins go up how much uh you'd go to about seven hundred dollars a head in the black there you go and that's it that's it that's it It, it, it's not like you're making three thousand dollars off a cow you're making 700 ahead after you've basically right let's just go a 12-month season and so if you look at that and you look at what is what is your motivation well, it's not to be that rich rancher, <laughs> rich rancher no, of Rick Ranches. See, well, it, people ask me, <laughs> why do you work so hard uh-huh. to, to not pay yourself? Yeah. I'm like, well, because there's more to it than dollars and cents. We're only a steward of our resources for a short period of time. And if you don't buy to leave the earth better than you found it, you're wasting your time and you're spinning your wheels. And that's the thing for me. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning is like, I can see what I'm doing to improve the soil, what I'm doing to improve the health and happiness of my cattle. And then sharing that with my end consumers and improving their health and their happiness and their life. And that's the thing. My last beef delivery to the front range, I, I, I was so busy talking and explaining and, and talking to new people, I didn't take any pictures. I didn't take any photographs of all of us. And what what really struck me as I was driving home is how fit and happy, handsome, beautiful all of my beef customers are. Because they are choosing to make it a priority 
to shake their rancher's hand, know where their beef comes from, and it just trickles down to every single aspect of their life. And I consider them my customer partners because they are truly partners in my business because without them, I would not exist and I would not have what I need to be able to continue to improve the soil, build soil, improve the pastures, and also improve the genetics and the happiness of our cattle. And, and that's the thing is I can't thank them enough. And that's, that's the thing for me is, and then them, because they are customer, um, customers for life, and they are preaching the, the good word and preaching the gospel of that local beef to their friends and their neighbors and their, their coworkers and helping me develop new relationships, it is because of them we've been able to grow the way that we have. Well, and those are customers for life, you know, and you're not going to lose a lot of them. If you do lose any customers, it's usually just by, you know, um, it's not because of the demand is not there. It's life challenges or whatever. And so the retention of friendships and customers that you meet, you want to talk about living a uh, purpose-driven life, right? And, and something that is very pragmatic and first principles and the that the the wealth is not in 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 the in the dollar the wealth is into the whole pageantry of it the whole orchestration because that's what brings you comfort when you're out there doing you know an extra you know 64 bells of hay that weigh 90 pounds and you weren't planning for it you don't even bat an eye and i want people to start if it's one person at a time one cow at a time one person and one cow at a town. Let's do this. We're going to start a new thing. One family, one cow at a time. That's what we're doing. One, awesome. one cow will feed one family of four for a year. You can usually almost a year. Depends on who you are, of course. But that's a good, that's a good kind of estimate. One family, one cow at a time. Here we are with Rick Ranches. It's going to be one family, one cow, one relationship one endearing lifetime relationship and uh and, and it's happening and and everybody keeps on coming if you come into the beef initiative and you don't know what it is everybody always is saying hey we got to feed the world how are you going to feed the we're not trying to feed the world man we're trying to feed a family and that's, that's where the perspective it. and that feeding the world is what's gotten us into the trouble that we're in with having no topsoil and morbidly obese people and diabetes it's feeding the world a bunch of crap well that was the propaganda that they started back in you know you know that i always bring up in the early 70s and it's true it's like that is never happened uh we didn't accomplish it we had all the technology and all the uh the topsoil that we ever would have needed for decades upon decades upon decades and for people to still try to say that that is an argument or that is valid that's part of the propaganda and that's part of us you know being the educators that we're trying to be that people do start understanding and they they, they get overwhelmed you know my friends from Australia to you know Europe they're like oh how are we gonna take care of the whole you're not shopping on Amazon here what you're doing <laughs> is you're feeding your family exactly. you know and uh, oh Lord you know with our subscriptions and us selling beef now you know online 
I have to educate every day. It's like, okay, guys, this is not Amazon. It's not going to show up, you know, being hand delivered by a drone. There is a process here that it's a low time preference. It's focus. It's patience. It takes a little planning, but the reward is everlasting. And and people people do get it. Either you get it or you don't. You know, it's the instant gratification. Everything that we're by, uh, battling within society, societal engineering. You know, as far as consumption, 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 consume, consume, consume. And so, just by basically one family, one cow at a time, we're basically bringing back those first principles of focus, time management, nutrition, the vertical integration back into human health. And so everybody out there listening to this right now, the vertical integration back into human health starts with one family and one cow at a time. That's how we're going to do this. That's just it. And it's based on the American rancher. Yep. We, are, we, we are here to help you back to your path of, of wholesomeness and healthfulness. Well, if we're going to talk, we, we, we've already talked almost 40-something minutes, I think. Hey, let's we're going to do another call. Today's Tuesday. Let me call you again on Thursday, okay? But what I want you to do now, since people are going to hear this before Thursday, um, let's go ahead and give everybody a clear path. To how can they get a hold of Jason Rick of Rick Ranches in Norfolk Valley, Colorado, Crawford, Colorado? How, do they, how are they going to go uh, get that one cow for one family? Well, I'll tell you what, you can type in our last name, which is pretty unique, W-R-I-C-H, in a, in a Google search or Firefox or whatever it happens to be, and you can see that we're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and we have a, a Google business website. All of those have our email, uh, phone number, uh, DM me on any any social media and I'll get back to you just as soon as I can. Um, the easiest thing is uh, at Jason Rick on Twitter and of course I'm beef, bees, and Bitcoin because uh, without pollinators you don't have anything else so I, we keep bees as well. Yeah, and that's another. Th- we'll talk about that on on one of our next calls because that's going to give you a, a complete overview. You know, we had a great kickoff of uh, who Jason and Rick and his family was. This, you know, with the Colorado conference, um, I say that we uh, we start targeting for twenty twenty three and see what we're going to do for our family reunion as well. And so everybody out there that's listening to this that came to the conference, it's time. It's time to get Rick. Uh, Jason Rick, Rick Ranches, uh, get him in the clear so he can start planning for 2023. So, uh, Jason, I'm going to give you a call. Uh, everybody else, remember, you can stack sats. You can stream sats. We're podcasting 2.0. We're decentralized communications. We are the Beef Initiative, and we are doing the vertical integration back into human health, led by the great American rancher. And we're starting with one family, one cow at a time. Thanks, Jason. We're going to talk to you soon again. Thanks, everybody out there. I appreciate every one of y'all. Let's keep this ball rolling. Let's keep those cows hurting. Keep up the good work, man. All right. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Bye. Take care.